Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Flyers fans, it has finally been able to be said. Scott and I can finally say it. After eight long years, the Flyers have finally moved on to the second round of the playoffs for a matchup with the New York Islanders. This is Orange and Backcheck. Let's break down game six right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's a 3-2 victory for the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm Bill. He's Scott. The Flyers have won. Put away the Montreal Canadiens in six games. Scott, how are you doing this evening, sir? Hallelujah! Oh my goodness! It's amazing! We've done it! Well, they've done it. Not us, really, but they've done it. They've we just done talk it. about them. We, they give us it. another two weeks they, to talk about them. Well, hopefully, hopefully. I, look, it, this is the first time since 2012 that they've won a series, and man, I'll tell you what, I forgot how good it felt. I have not right. felt that tense. That last half of that third period, I was so on edge, like, so tense. Like, I had the knots in my stomach. Like, I have not been into a hockey game that much, and I can't remember. And I yeah. was so jacked up at the end, thinking, wow, like, they finally overcame a huge hump. The the Giroux era, they've won another round at least. They're going to the second round again. And also, it's the fact that you have a goaltender who now you have complete confidence in, got the shakiest hand of his idol at the end of the game, and he's just through. They've got to be gleaming with confidence. The team is going to have so much confidence coming out of this. I, I, I'm I'm just very, very excited. I'm very happy to see this. It's been way too long. It's like what happens to the guy at the end of the 40-year-old version obviously loses his virginity. <laughs> but it's, I guess it's kind of like that feeling, man, for him. That's, a, that's, that's the only thing analogy I can think of. So. Yeah, like think about it. I was still in college. You were still on at, at, on the street team at yep. this point for in our careers. Like it's crazy how long eight eight years when you say it doesn't sound like that much because especially as we've become adults, we've we've expanded families, we've gotten married, and it's just one of those things. Like eight years sounds like a long time, but then you're like in the perspective of things, it's not. But in the perspective of the NHL playoffs and in sports in general, eight years is a long, long time to really feel like they finally uh, can contend for something, that, that they finally won something and have moved on uh, and not just like the parochial uh, – like four, uh, you lose a series four one or four two, like the right. Canadians just did. Right, and the and you know, look, you got to give your credit to the Canadians because I'll tell you what, the Canadians at point this season didn't look like they finished like where they finished. They didn't look like the twenty fourth overall seed. They looked like they belong there, and they have a good young core of players. Uh, like Nick Suzuki, who had another two goals tonight. Joel Armia, there's another guy who's going to be playing for them for a long time. They've still got Shea Weber. Defenseman can play up until their 40s. He's 35, so he's still got some some gas in the tank. Carrier Price is 33, you know, or, 30, or 32 or 33. He's still got some life left in him. They're they're going to be dangerous in a, in in the next year or two here. They're right on the edge of where the Flyers were about a year or two ago. They're just not that far from getting over the hump there. Yeah, and they already have a decent coach established, so they'll even be on a quicker projection than what the Flyers were. Like Claude Julian, uh, who all intents and purposes 
I expect to be, uh, I think he's going to recover. He'll recover quickly from what I've said or from what I've read from his uh, heart stint, I believe it was, that he had to leave the bubble for. So it's already a good coach established. So, yeah, you're right. Like the the the, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be a serious problem in the, in the East for years to come in the next oh, yeah. couple of years. Oh, without a doubt. And it's because of the way they play. They, they utilize their speed really well. If you want to really take a look at this game and look what happened, the Flyers are dominated for the most part. I mean, Carey Price had been beaten three times before he saw ten shots, and that's 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 very uncommon. Price was off his game tonight. The Flyers took advantage of it, and if you look at this game as a whole, they survived it. They didn't win it; they survived it. Um, that's it's the truth. They they got played. They went up two nothing, and then Montreal just took it to them for really a stretch yeah. of the rest of the first and pretty much all of the second again. And the Flyers came out in the third and played more responsible defensively. Carter Hart, I thought he was shaky for the first period, period and a half after they uh, scored that second goal on him. He kind of locked down a little bit. I was a little concerned about some of the rebounds he was putting out, but in the third, everything that he was hitting was he was swallowing up. So yeah, I like, think I think what finally happened was he just got in his in his mindset of this is just another hockey game for me. Yep, yep. Like all that's all that it really takes is once you get in that mindset and you forget the fact that yes, you're in a game cl- game or a series clinching game uh once you get into that mindset of this is just a normal hockey game play our game play my game and not worry about anything else you saw what carter hart did for the last probably like 25 minutes or so of the of this game and he as you just said he locked down and he turned away some really good chances that the montreal Canadiens have had yeah yeah, and they Montreal ended up with thirty three shots. Flyers only ended up with seventeen, and they got they put three picks carry Price. I mean, that's and you know what they got you got you got lucky in a sense, but that you know, look, every dog has its day, and some nights you know Carey Price did not have the best of nights when he really needed to be there on top of his team. Now, when the Flyers started peppering him later on, he he came up big after the second period. He didn't give up a goal the rest of the way. Yep. Um but you know, it's just it, but when you're a goalie. And you're not seeing that much action and periodic. You you don't get settled in. And when the Flyers started putting more shots at him, that's when he started settling in. And the goalies locked down after the second period. So um, I, yeah, that that was that was actually a, a really cool thing to see because it got tense there for a while. It got tense there. And what did I say in episode 44 uh, between games five and six that the Flyers needed to probably improve upon in their defensive scheme leading into tonight game in game six? Do you remember, Scott? Yes, I do. They're going to probably bring back JVR and Ghost is going to come back in the lineup. Not even just that, but they also didn't have a lot of block shots in oh, Game yeah. 5. Yeah, yeah, they only yeah. had 9 or 10, I believe. Tonight, yeah. they had 21. Right. That's the difference right there. Yes, Carter Hart saw a lot of rubber fate come his way in 33 shots, uh, as you just alluded to. But the fact that the Flyers' defensive core and just probably the forwards as well, if I were to go back, I'm sure naturally the forwards are going to block some as well. 21 block shots, it's nothing to sniff at, and it just means that you're sacrificing the body. You know what's at stake here. Because as you said, if this went to a Game 7 – the creep starts. The doubt starts to creep in 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 the in the minds of this team of the Flyers team that is young at its at its uh, for the most part. So it's tough to get when you're leading three one and you all of a sudden are facing a game uh, an elimination game. So credit to them for locking things down, not just defensively, but able to sacrifice the body to the extent that they did, and it was just enough to push them past Montreal. Yeah, and you know, you look at it too. If you're looking at the stat line next to the blocks, the Flyers did out hit the Canadians tonight, which tells me they were trying to play real tight checking, especially towards the end there. They, they were, they, they really tried to clamp things down in that third period. The first two were a little shaky. I had my doubts at point at some point, especially when Carter Hart got beat on that second goal. That was a real sharp angle by Nick Suzuki. A great pass. Jonathan Drouin got outside position. I'm sorry, got inside position on Travis Sandheim. Cut to the middle, put a pass between the other defenders' legs, and Nick Suzuki was right there, basically on the goal line and ripped it home. I was a little nervous because it seemed like Carter Hart still wasn't settled in at that point. Uh, but you know, give a credit to the Flyers' defense because you know what we talked about last episode about how they needed to you know come up and bail the kid out, and they did tonight. They they really did. Granted, they didn't get a whole lot of offense. Granted that they got lucky with beating Carey Price on so little shots. But at the same time, they put the puck in the net. They didn't play around with it too much. They tried to shoot as much as they could. Uh, that that was an encouraging thing to see. 
that they were able to step up for the kid until Carter got his bearing straight in the third. Yeah, and and I think what they didn't want to mess around with was that first 10 minutes that we always talk about. The first 10 right. minutes of the first period, the Flyers came out like a man on fire. Oh, they came out hard. It and, nice you, and it just it was one of those like, okay, they're going to score right here. And it, I didn't expect 26 seconds or 28 seconds with Ivan Provorov that eventually they went back and forth on him and Konechny yeah. for crediting the goal. Right. Either way, the puck went in the behind the net. And at that point – Flyers fans, you should have been just like, okay, we have this in the bag. Then you get the second one, and it's like, okay, this game's completely over. But then mm-hmm. at that point, it's it almost seemed like I can't tell. I might have to just go back and watch uh, from that second goal on. I can't tell if the Flyers took a step back and sat on their heels or if Montreal just picked up steam. What did you see? 2 nothing lead is the worst league in hockey. That's what yeah. I saw. That's, yeah. that, that's what I saw. I saw a team that was – <laughs> five minutes in, they were down 2 nothing, and realizing their season's on the line. That's what I saw. I saw complete desperation because, and as we talked about last episode, what I wound up seeing from Montreal was that I knew that once this game started, Montreal was going to come out fast. Now, the Flyers came out faster. Montreal came out and started being overly aggressive. You saw a lot of odd man chances for the Flyers tonight. Granted, they didn't really cash in on many of them, but... They, you saw a lot of pucks where the Flyers were able to transition out of the zone once they gained control of the puck, which means that basically that Montreal was at a full on, like essentially a full court press is the best analogy I can make it because they're just, you're sending forward after forward on the puck to try to overwhelm a team. And when the Flyers were able to gain control, they'd break out the other way and there's only like one defender back for their, for the Canadians. So yep. that what happens though is that after time, when you're playing like that, if you have to continue to play like that because you're down, you run out of gas. I thought towards the middle and towards the end of the third, Montreal kind of ran out of gas. You didn't see the high, you know, the the, the speed that they usually had. Granted, the Flyers' defense stepped up and really boxed out the middle and didn't give them any scoring chances in close. Really try to um, get shots from the perimeter and blocking shots. Uh, but I saw a team towards the end that once they, you know, I guess to quote Hitch, Ken Hitchcock again, blew their wad. Um, <laughs> it's exact quote. Go back to Calgary. You just, in you just want an excuse to say that line uh, again because I, I said it last time. I said it too. But no, go back to when they played Calgary in two thousand three or two thousand four, and, and and Ken Hitchcock said it in his press conference. I laughed very hard when I heard that, but so I use it every once in a while. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I saw a team that basically just ran out of gas. They they blew their wad once they hit this late in the second period. Once the Flyers started clamping down defensively, you could just see that they couldn't keep up in the play as well. They were they were getting some chances, but not crazy chances. There was defensemen right there the whole time with the Flyers. They kind of even the pace there were able to kind of weather the storm, so to speak. Because towards the end of that second period, I mean, it was that was some of the worst hockey I'd ever seen. The Flyers were completely outmatched. Like we're talking. An NHL team, an elite NHL team versus the bottom AHL team in the league. It, it just, it, it, that's what it looked like. It was that bad. But you come out to the third, you lock it down, your goalie steps up, everybody plays the team game, you keep the Canadians off the scoreboard, you tie the period, and you won the game. And, yeah. and you won the series. And that, at the end of the day, that's what mattered. And regardless of how ticky tack some of the play was throughout this series, at the end of the day, you look at this as a whole and say, okay, our goaltender stepped up. We put goals in the net when we needed to, and we were able to clamp it down. This was like this was a, a, a war of a series like we predicted it would be, and that's why it went six games. And it, it, this is going to be a good test setting up to the Flyers for the second round because they're going to play the Islanders, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, and, I, and to uh, I actually lost my train of thought here of where I was going to go with it, but like. Yeah, I tend to do that. Sometimes I go on a little long. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Last night, last night, uh, Vince Quinn had asked me to come on at uh, midnight to talk Flyers before yeah, we went yeah. for the game. And you know, thanks, Vince. That was a real, real good time. Um, you know, Vince Quinn's a host on WIP and has the uh, the Spark um, the Spark website, which we're affiliated with. Um, so I remember he texted me and he's like, "Hey, man, just making sure we're good for tonight." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just giving you a heads up. I, I can be kind of long winded sometimes. Don't be afraid to cut me off." I said, "Just ask Bill." <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, I understand why you lost your train of thought, but there's a lot to pack into this, and and it's just I'm we're so jacked up here because this is this has been too damn long. I uh, man, I you know it, it's just it's a really really good thing. Yeah, and and to to that point, like, was there anything like Claude Giroux didn't have a great game, but he also didn't have a terrible game. He had a weird slashing penalty that was really more of an acting job because the dude was holding his st- – I can't remember who it was on Montreal. I think it, it wasn't Gall- – no, Gallagher obviously has the broken jaw or whatever it is. Um, he was hold- – but, like, either way, the Flyers only had four minutes of penalty, um, So, but they allowed one goal on the penalty kill. Uh, so that continues to – that's still been pretty solid, but this power play, man – if this thing doesn't figure itself, we talked about this. If this thing doesn't figure it out, now it's the second round. If they don't figure this thing out, this is going to be a short-lived series. Not a short-lived series, but it's not going to be. No, it'll it, be short-lived. Okay. Yeah. Look, the Islanders are no joke. The Islanders, they were struggling before the, the, the stoppage happened. I mean, they looked like they were a good playoff team, and they just fell flat on their face. They were losing games left and right. They come out of the gate here. And they dominate Florida in the play-in round. And they dominated Washington. Like, we're talking pure domination. Now, granted, Washington's not that deep. Washington has their own issues. I think Washington's going to have to really start looking into really blowing the thing up. I mean, think about it this way. Ovechkin's 35. Nick Backstrom's 33 or 34. T.G. Oshie's 32. Um, Braden Holpe's a free agent this year. So you're talking John Carlson will be 30. You're talking you have your core of your team really getting up there in that age. They have some players who are younger. If Genny Kuznetsov's a younger guy, Jacob Braun is a younger guy. But besides that, there really isn't a whole lot going on there. They've won their cup. I think this, they, they, they remind me of the 2008 to 2012 Phillies where they just they kind of just got out of their way. They, they had a couple chances, a couple cracks at it. They just weren't able to get back to the finish line. And the whole thing just blew up after that. Washington's very, very close to that. Um, but I digress. Uh, going back to the power play, yeah, it, it is still a bit of a concern. But especially when they had the power play where Shea Weber was in the box, I think in that time you've got to you, you've got to score. You have to here. score. Yeah, there's you have no excuse when when you are when first off. Actually, that was one of the things I was going to allude to. Shout out to Jake Voracek. He drew oh, yeah. at least three of those four penalties that they they uh, committed against the Flyers tonight, including the Shea Weber one. Um, when you're able to get Shea Weber or any best defenseman that is a top penalty kill player on the opposing team put in the box for two minutes, you have no excuse not to score to uh, a goal, especially when you have the firepower that the Flyers really still have. Because as much as they have been slowed down uh, to uh, over this series, you had Kevin Hayes get a goal tonight. Konechny get, went back and forth in the goal uh, that I, Ivan Provera was officially credited to, but he was in the dirty areas. He felt like he was back at home in front of the goalie uh, and creating his own chances, and he basically did um, – I, I, like if this was a if this was a similar to like a sack in the NFL, Ivan Provorov and Konecki would probably get half a goal if that was a thing in the NHL, which it's not, obviously. But like to, that, I think that's a decent comparison right there because like the way Travis Konecki played tonight has been his best all series, I, I would think. Yeah, and it's a shame they took that goal away from him because he, you know, he's been he's got a big goose egg up there now too. But I think that. You once you get through this, you can kind of change your play a little bit. You're not going against like Twin Towers and Shea Weber and Ben Sherrod anymore. You're not going to. You're not going to see so much of the speed that um, yeah that the the Canadians have. The Islanders are the Islanders are quick, but they're not a they're not a full speed team. They're a skill team actually, um, which I think plays well for the Flyers. Like I, I I I think what happened. I think a lot of fans that are watching the Flyers, whether it's you just haven't watched them in a long time because it's been since March that we saw, consistently saw them like we have been, um, or you're just welcoming and you're trying to find a sports team to enjoy in Philadelphia when you have the Sixers and Phillies right alongside the Flyers right now. Um, so as as more fans come into the the Flyers uh, bandwagon, we welcome you all the time. Like we're we're pro bandwagon. We're not going to discredit you from ever joining us along this ride. Um, but if you just watch this Montreal series for the first time, you're kind of going in with this like 
is this really the team that's as good as everyone's been saying? And they're good. Um, but I think what happened was, and I think you've gone about this throughout previous episodes, they had to grind, they had to grind this series out. It wasn't a full blown play to what your skills are for the Flyers compared to just slowing down Montreal's skill and speed to be able to win the game and that's or win the series and that's exactly what happened here. So I expect a much different uh, flow, play type, and just in general series when it comes to Montreal, probably starting Sunday or Monday, depending on when we get the schedule. Right. And I want to go back to your point about Jake. He was a monster in the series. And you know why he drew penalties? There's one thing that you can do to drive penalties. He skated. Skate. Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. That's something was my biggest pet peeve about Jake in the past. I've got to give all the credit to this coaching staff for getting the most out of him because he's been a different player. He's been he's not afraid to get it in the dirty zones. He's making pretty smart plays, and he keeps his feet moving now. There'd be times he'd be coasting back to his own end, and not anymore. Whatever the coach's message that they got through to him, whether it was Vigneault, whether it was Yo, whether it was Terrian, um, I don't know, but it's really a good thing to see because, you know, Jake, when he plays hard, you can see why he was drafted fourth overall. Like, right, you yeah, don't want to – it's a reason you don't want to see him get – like you don't want all of a sudden – Seattle, maybe you just want to look at GVR. You don't want to yeah, look exactly. at Voracek. You don't want to look at Jake, right. I mean, yeah, you, you kind of want to keep Jake around to see what you can get out of him, especially when you have – you were just saying. When you have the right coaching staff around Jake or just play good players in general, you get results of what the Flyers have been this season, and that's just a testament to – AV and Mike Yo and the entire coaching staff of what they've done with with Jake Voracek specifically. Right, exactly. And that's important for a team to get that kind of jump out of a guy with that much skill. So that that's a really, really important thing to say. Going on to your other point about this upcoming series, we want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Um it, with, let's do with, it. With the, let's let's dive right in head first, okay? I I'll let's do this a little backwards first. What's your prediction with the Flyers and the Islanders? What are you thinking? Now that we can officially do it, you can talk about the second round. They're in the second round. What are you thinking-wise? I'm feeling bullish. I I think, like I said, I think what happened with the Islanders series that a lot of Flyers fans um, are nervous about is not really nerves. It's just that they played a style of hockey that they had to play to slow down Montreal. It wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the most entertaining, but it got the job done. I think we're going to see a different – I think we're going to see the Flyers team that we've seen in March and the round robins starting in this series, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, the Islanders a uh, little bit of a longer playoff, and I think, I think the grind of now you're entering your third series – uh, officially, I know the first one was a five-game series, but you're still entering a playoff series when it comes to the Islanders. So I'm feeling really, really bullish on the Flyers in this. I have the Flyers in six again. I, I think most of the time I, I, I believe that the second, third, and the Stanley Cup final uh, games are probably going to more likely than not go seven because of how evenly matched and uh, strong the competition is. I'm bullish on this. I think the Flyers take handle the business and and get the business done here, and they win this in six. And the two that they and the two games that they lose are are not like are, are ones that are just kind of I don't want to call them fluke losses, but just the course of the ebbs and flows of a playoff series that you're just going to drop a one or two here and there. I think the exact opposite. I'm not trying to put a dagger in the Flyers fans' hopes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this series is going no less than seven games. I okay. think it's actually a coin flip. And this is a team that I think because of how well they play against the Flyers the past couple seasons here, um, I think if any team is going to knock the Flyers out of the playoffs, it would be this one. True. I, I, I don't disagree that the, this is not going to be – a, a just a sweep. That's why I'm not it's calling be for a very hard. To, this is the type of series. Like for instance, like if you want to go back, I guess the best example I can say is that back in, um, we could probably even use 2011. Mm-hmm. Back in 2011, when they played Buffalo, and Buffalo stretched them to seven games in their first round. Flyers couldn't. They were basically almost out of gas in that second round against Boston. The best example I can say was that. 
2004, the team that probably should have won the Cup. When you look at that as a whole, if the Flyers had not played Toronto in the second round, they would probably have enough gas in the tank to go out and beat Tampa. But yeah. Toronto and the Flyers played such a physical, beat-you-up, back-and-forth series that they had to limp their way through Tampa P, uh, Tampa Bay, a team they Tampa P? Did yeah, you P. just say Tampa P? I don't know what the hell just happened there. <laughs> Tampa, Tampa P? Well, maybe well, someone's peeing in the Bay there. I have no well, idea. I, I don't disagree with that. Those those series were a grind, and, and the, hockey is one of the toughest sports to be able to consistently, if you don't take care of business and you have a series go longer than it should have been, uh, it can affect you in the, in the following round. That's right. totally the case. Um, but on the other side of that, you have the 2010 team that, where they, they grinded out a 3 nothing deficit in two cases, not just going down in the series to Boston, but also in Game 7, you go, go down 3 nothing in that, and you still manage to win that game, and then you beat what it, I get Montreal again in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I get your point. That, like that's I would say that's more of the anomaly, what the Flyers did in 2010 for sure, obviously coming down 3-0, but also winning the following series. So your point is valid. But I don't think it's the end all be all of, no, of no, no, especially no. because especially because again I think the Flyers will play yes I, and we talked about things in, in, this in pregame um, for sure uh, the the Islanders were the worst record that the Flyers had against the remaining teams they yep. they're very successful against all of the teams except the Islanders and the even Islanders when went three and zero against them this year they've gone right. five and two in the last two seasons so like I, I get that. Um, but always, as we've said time and time again, playoffs are a different atmosphere. And I want to, I want to focus on one specific thing. And I think, you know, where I'm going with this. Yep. I think this goal, I think this is going to come down to the goalies and between Brian Elliott and, 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 Brian Elliott. and Carter, Hart, I'm, I'm like between Brian Elliott and Carter Hart, mm-hmm. he, they are the, that duo for sure is better than Thomas Grice and, and, and uh, Varlamov. Simeon yeah, Varlamov. I don't know. You know, I don't think you're giving enough Varlamov enough respect. He's a very, very hard goaltender. To I think he's an. Against. I think he's a fine goalie. But he I don't think well he's well against the Flyers. He, he that's again. He played fine against them in regular season. You can factor the regular season as much as you want to, and at the end of it, this is a totally different season. Let alone a a, a season that we were playing uh, two months past what we normally should be playing within. Okay, fair enough. Not look, I I get you're you're putting all your chips in the middle of the table, going all in on the flyers. Of course, in our in our bracket, I mean, in our bracket challenge in the pregame, I or in the the leading up to the playoffs, I have the flyers winning the cup. I'm not going to make any bones about it. The flyers are the hot were and still were leading into this round against the. the Montreal Canadiens, they were the hottest team in the NHL. We talked about it. No one wanted to play this team. Are they as good as they were two weeks ago? Probably not. I, I'm fair to admit that. But can they They have a better chance of getting back to that than going back to what they were uh, in December and November. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, well, I think that what the cool part about this is, and this is just my view. This is just my view. I'm not... I, I only because maybe it's because I've got a gut feeling, or maybe because I know the other matchup is going to be Boston and Tampa. I think the winner of this series gets to the final. I I, I honestly believe that. Uh, I honestly believe it because yeah. I think Boston and Tampa are definitely going to go to the, down to the stretch. They they are Critici- unless, criticizing me for jumping the gun last no, week. No 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just I'm telling you now that we have it's all set up that I think the winner of this and here's why. Look, the Flyers, they didn't get an easy series here against Montreal. No, they didn't. They, they had to really, really work for this. I think it sets them up well against the Islanders, but the Islanders, they're very, very they, – they played – the Islanders played very well 5-on-5 five five against, um, against, the, against the, um, the Capitals. Against the, the Flyers, they're not going to be able to perform 5-on-5 five five as well, but they have a couple guys who are actually really, really solid players – Matt Barzell's becoming an elite player in this league. Anthony Bavillier, my goodness, that kid can play hockey. Uh, they have Ryan Pollock on the backhand, who's got a cannon of a slap shot. And their goaltending, Simeon Varlamov, is, is really good. And he's an experienced guy who's only 32, and he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank. He's played a lot of games, been a lot of experience. Um, 
he's he's no he's no joke. Uh, there, it's going to be very very difficult. I think with the Flyers though, the key is getting that power play back on track because five on five, you're not going to get a whole lot of life against the Islanders because they try to. They have a lot of they have a decent amount of skill up front. JG Pajot, who they added at the deadline, who they completely overpaid for, gives them a little more depth up the middle. Mm-hmm. But overall, they have a lot of guys who have a lot of skill set up front more so than. Montreal. Their skill set offensively is a little better. Barzell and Beauvillier are better players than Jesperi Kakinyemi, Arturo Lekinen, uh, Joel Armia. Jonathan Drones probably the only one who's above their level, but I mean, you know, at the same time, these guys are they're playing very good hockey together. Um, look, I, it, it's going to be a very, very, very hard series. Carter Hart struggled big time against the Islanders this year. Uh, the team overall has struggled. Not to put a dagger or anything, I, I, I'm not going to give a prediction right away. If they play on Sunday, uh, we'll try to get another pot out to talk about it. Um, but overall, I, I think regardless, I think this series is going to go the distance. I think this is going to go seven games. I think you're going to see a couple overtimes here, not just one, a couple of them. Uh, this series is going to be very, very, very tight and very emotionally draining. Very, very, I wouldn't say low scoring, but you're going to see a lot of Three two games, probably a couple two ones, and then you'll have one wild one because it just always happens. So um, I'm excited to see it, but at the, the end of the day, I'm just happy that we're going to be seeing another hockey for here for another two weeks. Like you said, that's that's the most yep. important thing. Yeah, that that really. Is, but I just keep going back to yes, the five on five is going to be the struggle for this team. I look at the roster for like. Again, it goes back to depth for me. The Flyers have a well-constructed roster that can go and roll four lines night in and night out. We saw that a little bit tonight because of how they grinded with Montreal. They can grind with the with the Islander Islander Islander. What the hell? Uh, I've had one beer. What what is going on? Uh, but like, I think they're again. This is coming down to depth until you get to the, a potential matchup in the final in the Eastern Conference final. With with Boston or Tampa Bay, I think they can handle this. I know we go back to the regular season stuff, but again, that was almost six months ago now. Like yeah. that's and they really that's, haven't played each other. They played one game in February. Before that, they hadn't played it since November or December between the two. So they haven't seen each other in a while. And they they I would say that when the Flyers weren't playing well before they really got the hang of things, that's when the Flyers played them. So. You're right. I mean, if you're looking over the past two seasons, it is two different teams, essentially. So hopefully, you know, the Flyers turn around. I have all the confidence in the world they will. But at the same time, look, the reason I say these things is I'm a realist. You know, I I look at the other bench and say, okay, you know, we can we can fanboy and fangirl this all we want. But at the end of the day, that team is not going to be easy to beat. So it's going to go the distance. They're going to fight. They're an up-and-coming team. They're ran by Lou Lamorello for some reason who just always has teams that beat the Flyers for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be going to be tough. I mean, in a series of, of of five games they play, they gave up a total of uh, let me see who were say eight goals. So you know they're defensively they're they're just as well too. And then even against Florida. They beat them in in four games, and they also gave up. Uh, what's it called? Let's see, four, six, seven goals. So they they're they're not they're they're not going to be the easiest team to score against. And with the power play struggles, I think that could be enough of a tipping point. But again, you're probably right with the depth. We'll see, and we'll have to see how game one shakes out to kind of see the feeling out period for how what these two teams are going to do with each other. So hopefully, it starts on. Uh, I would say probably Monday would be better because they'll probably start the Boston and Tampa series. They've been waiting around longer, so um, yeah, man, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and it's it's final here, and and you know what? I I can't I forgot to bring this up at the end of the Montreal before we wrap. If if they wanted to throw out a quote unquote max contract to Derek Grant for the simple troll job that he did at the end of this series, <laughs> tapping the head of the Montreal Canadiens for their shysting uh, bit in game five where they tapped the head of, of, of Carter Hart. I'd be willing to do it because that was simply amazing by, by Derek Grant there. Like, man, 
I yeah. love hockey. I love the end of every series because each the, the show of respect that the Flyers or the opposing teams have where they shake their hands, especially with, with Carey Price getting to shake the hand of – or excuse me, Carter Hart getting to shake the hand of Carey Price's yeah. childhood idol and say good luck and get words of wisdom from Carey and yeah, how to carry cool. himself. That That's cool. really cool. Yeah. But what's also really cool is when Tara Grant does stuff like that yeah. and taps the head because they, they try to play little little mind games with our goalie uh in Carter Hart and it didn't work and man and it really got them mad just like yeah. we got Montreal Twitter mad a little bit today so. yeah 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 we had we had uh, people in Canada not very happy with us but hey you know what <laughs> we tell it like it is that's the truth but that's the fun of hockey and that's why I think it's the most fun sport to watch and and of course, it's the most gentlemanly sport. Yeah, these guys go to war with each other. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. But even when you win that cup and you're excited that you realized your dream, you're able to put those emotions aside for five minutes and shake every person on that line who just dream just died in front of them. So that's what's the classiest thing about this sport, the fact that Montreal thought they really had it. They were really, really close. And... For to go down and, and shake your head, but it's still you're right. The the troll job, <laughs> tapping them on the head. That's the that's the best. They can get mad all they want about it, but you know what? With all due respect, when you win a series like that, you have every right to be able to do it. So yeah, I mean, so. if you're not gonna, if if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Don't 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 <laughs> don't try and uh don't don't try and do a little bit of troll job and on your own by Suzuki, and and then just when when it bites you in the ass, uh, twenty four hours later, don't get, don't get mad at us. Be mad at yourself because yeah. your team didn't win to the night, so now it's over. Yep, and that's, so uh, that's what it is, and that's the key, Bill. It's over. It's over. It's so. over. There's no more stress with this. And now we can just look forward to a new series, a new because you know the the series is going to be completely different from what we saw just now. It's not you're not going to be able to play the same type of hockey you did against it. But look, Elaine Vigneault gave a lot of adjustments, made a, and the coaching staff made a lot of adjustments when they needed to to make sure the Flyers were in the best position to win this thing. The teams responded each time. I have no doubt they do it, but I, at the same time, I don't think this series is going any less than seven games. Especially so you said seven games. So you said seven games before. We, are the Flyers winning this in seven games, or Not do you have the Islanders? <sighs> take a have a take, man. Come on, take have a take. I'm going Isles. I'm going Isles. Okay. I'm All going Isles right. in seven. I, you know, I'll, 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 you know what's I'll, funny? I'll be happy with they, if yeah. they don't, but I think you know what's funny. You know what's funny? We will be disappointed at that point if that comes to fruition. But you know what? In the very first episode of this podcast or the second episode, we said if they at least win one playoff series, the season is a success. Right. And I stand by that. I still Agreed. think this season was a very, very good success, um, all all things considered. So if the, if the season ends in, in – Two weeks from now, or whatever it is, when Game Six or Seven happens, and the Islanders push us out, it's going to suck. Yeah. But when you look at the evaluation of everything, it was a successful season. Really? I don't want to get too. I, I'm not going to get too gloomy, and we'll recap the season yeah. when when that eventually does happen. Whether it's them losing in this round or the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, or they're lifting the Stanley Cup in in, a, in a, about a month or so, whatever that may be, like that's. We will address that, and the season is is a success right now, and it's just you're playing with house money, I think. I think that's what we can both attest to. You're playing with a team that's young and now is confident and think they can can do it. You have a goalie who's 22 years old and just won his first playoff series. doesn't happen often. You have a starter who's 22 in the NHL and won his first playoff series. But, you know, Carey Price did the same thing in 2008. So... Yeah, and so I'm looking at the uh, schedule now by ESPN or not ESPN NBC. So Dallas and and Colorado starts tomorrow. Boston and Tampa starts on Sunday. So I would venture to guess maybe Sunday afternoon, but I think more likely Monday evening is when we're going to get Game One. But they have that still be decided, and obviously the Canucks and St. Louis Blues are going on right now. And if the Canucks win, that series is over. So they'll face. uh, uh, why am I blanking on who they'll face? Colorado and Dallas are playing to be Vegas. Oh, that's right. I forgot Vegas is still yeah. kicking around. So uh, they'll face the winner. Uh, they'll Vegas will face the winner of that. 
So, yeah, which, I think... Which, which could be bad for Vegas, actually, because they've been on layoff for a couple of days now. So, yeah. you know, those long layoffs don't help you. They don't help Yeah, they you really don't. You're yeah. right. So yeah, They really don't. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll see either Monday. I, I, God, please give me a Sunday afternoon game. I want to get some sleep. <laughs> I want sleep. I want sleep so bad. But I'm also very excited because we're finally in the second round of the playoffs. And that's all that matters at this point. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it. I think uh, uh, that's going to do it here for episode 45. The uh, who's Aaron Ashim episode. Oh, you know who else was 45 for? I think he was only on the team for a year. Vinny <laughs> Prospel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! His first, his first tour, his yeah, first tour when he was back, yeah, before they traded him to Ottawa for Alexander Daig <laughs> in the Yay. Boston NHL yeah. history. That was they a great move. Yeah, yeah, that really was. You know, no wonder the Flyers never made the playoffs from eighty. Well, I guess that was in ninety six, ninety seven. So. Well, that was 98, I believe they did. They were struggling on offense at the time, and they needed a little bit of a jump. I thought they could do something with Dig. You know what's what's funny? There's a great book that I highly recommend every Flyer fan read because you really get more insight of why some of those decisions were made back whenever. Um, I'm actually still reading it myself, and sometimes I pick these things out. I'm like, I knew of it, but I never learned, like, wow, like this is what the thought process was. Like, there are... Jay Greenberg did a great job of this book. It's a full spectrum goes up to about like um, the mid to late nineties. This picks up like the Legion of Doom era and yeah. goes up all the way past to like when Ron Hextall, like the 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 fiftieth anniversary season. There was a great point in that that Bob Clark, the reason why he had no problem, he said he always thought his team was on the cusp of winning a Stanley Cup, which is why he would always trade draft picks and younger players because they felt like they had enough guys in the farm system to supplement that. And he was right for a long time. And they, you know they would supplement by the free agent market and also by um, by having enough like college draft picks and draft picks these guys would find later in the rounds that they would be really high on. That's why they could trade a guy like Vinny Prospel who could get more yeah. minutes on a team like Ottawa and be a better player than he would in Philadelphia simply because of ice time. So you're going, you go back and read this book and it, it, it just blows me away when you hear these players, you're like, wow, like you understand the, the deeper concept. I'm at the point now where they're going through the retooling after the Forsberg trade and this 07 08 season, which is one of my favorite seasons ever of the Flyers team because of how fast they turned around. But it was really neat to see how Clarkie got burned out and Homer stepped in. They didn't have any confidence in Homer to start. And then all of a sudden, they just, he made a bunch of moves. They're like, oh, wow, like, we're going to compete here next year. And they realized that he could do the job, which is why he was GM for a long time. What was the name of the book? Uh, it was the Flyers 50th anniversary one. Hold on one second. I've got it right okay. here. Because I think there's what oh, what always yeah. happens is uh, you 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 always are appreciative of the of the time of when the GM makes those kind of moves to just keep you in as being a as a contender for specifically the Stanley Cup because it is the hardest trophy as you said uh, to win to win in sports. But at the same time, I think what really drew sour is how long you kept. Uh, reloading the chamber as you would, like it, it, for the Flyers. I think mm-hmm. at a certain point in every franchise, you realize, okay, we're not going to do it with this seven main core, or whatever it may be. So let's replenish, let's keep our draft picks, and let's replenish the farm system. And you could actually on- honestly make that argument for the mindset of what happened bef- leading up to the AV, the first year of AV this year. Yeah. Um, where the core was, you people are starting to teeter on this core. You can't obviously. There's certain players you can't trade, namely Claude Giroux, that have the the NTC, the no trade movement or the no trade clause. Um, but the point remains the same. You looked at that core and you're like, okay, we need to start replenishing and looking at the as, as just trying to not. I don't want to say tank because that has a, a negative connotation to it. But at the same time, you also want to try and get the best draft pick possible while also signing the trade competitive instead of what, as you were just saying in that book. And I'm, I will plan on reading that. I think it's fascinating when, when you get in the mind of GMs and their logic, right. but I think there's also a point when a GM has to recognize, 
okay, my strategy isn't working. I need to do something else. And I don't think Clarky ever, ever learned that. And that's what Holmgren never learned that. And I think it took an outside voice of Chuck Fletcher and Ron Hextall to an extent, because as we've talked about, Ron Hextall came from the, the, uh, LA Kings and won a cup as the assistant general manager there. So he had the pedigree at the time and he brought in a plethora of youth movement that we're now reaping the benefits of. Yeah. And I think when you look at different things, Clarkie got burned out. Clarkie didn't like the way the game changed. The book is called Philadelphia Flyers at 50, the story of the iconic hockey club and it's 50 heroes, wins and events. Well, there Uh, we go. It's right. really a great. It's done by Jay Greenberg. It's a. It's really one of the best Flyers books I've ever read. There's a really lot of good Flyers books out there. This one has so much detail. Um, it's really, really a good read where you get sucked into it, and I can just read for hours. It's yeah. 600 pages long, and I'm not even halfway through it yet. Um, and I've been reading this for a while. It's that's how long this book is. But um, <laughs> to, to kind of go back to piggyback what you're saying before we get out of here. You know, Clarky got burnt out by the way the league changed. That he didn't really have, you know, the mindset of you know being plugged in twenty four seven with a cell phone, all that stuff. That was really before he resigned. He had actually resigned a week before that, but they needed to figure out a plan, which is why it was the case. You learned that little thing. I never knew that. Uh, the Forsberg trade happened um, a week before it was supposed to. Um, you know, Homer. I haven't gotten that far yet, but when I look at this on the outside. Homegrown still had a team that was competitive enough to be good up until 2013-2014. After that, they didn't really have enough guys in their bottom six to really come up and replenish to really be effective NHL players. I think they got so bound up with cap issues with signing like Vinny LeCavier, and you can't get out of a contract like that. Um, they got so bound up by it. I think the cap was actually the bigger problem, which is when Hexel came in, took the philosophy of we're going to draft young guys, we're going to keep our picks, we're going to get rid of these older players, and we're going to rebuild that way. And, yeah, rebuilds are painful. Obviously, it took this team essentially six years to rebuild because they started the rebuild, I would say, after 13, 14. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair number. Yeah, it, they, they, they went to that playoffs that year, and if Steve Mason hadn't gotten hurt in the last game of the season, they probably would have won that series and gone deeper and stayed more competitive. But not to, I think this is a conversation for uh, the off season. But I th- yeah. also think if Ron Hexall had hired the right coach, I think if he went experience over over uh, wanting to prove it, guy, I think this. Yeah, I think a development guy. I think. Yeah. I think it's a little bit different. It's a revisionist history to an extent. Do they play as well as they are right now? I don't know. There's no way to tell because you have no idea who he would have hired. But I think there's a little bit. Of, I don't think AV's the coach right now. I think I, I think I would say that for sure. And yeah. I think Hextall's probably still the GM if he had not hired Hextall. Yeah. I, I think Hextall had such a negative connotation to it after just two years. It seemed that it it, it just kind of ruined him. Well, he wasn't an NHL coach. Like, let's be honest. Like, coming, it's not like football, where you like a college coach can get into the NFL, and it's similar. Hockey is very different developmentally because you know you, when you're a coach in juniors, it's very different from when you're a coach at a college. Um, the the, the v- differences are vast. Like the proper way for an NHL coach to come up is if you're not a player, and then you get into the system that way with an organization. You really come up through the ranks where you coach in juniors, you coach in the minors, you coach those teams, and you go through the entire process. So when you come to the NHL, it's not really much of a transition, which is why you saw John Stevens have so much success in Philadelphia here for a couple yep. of years. Yep. Um, Dave Haxtell didn't because Dave Haxtell was more of a skill development guy. He didn't really stress from what I watched the team play and how important that was. He was a developmental guy of making sure these guys knew the details of the game. Vigneault came in having these guys already having developed some of those skill sets and was able to put all the pieces together and say, okay, given the team we have, we're going to play this style of hockey. It's not coming in with his philosophy, so to speak. Hextall wanted to have wanted to see the rebuild to the end, and Hextall was going to be his do-or-die guy, which is why Hextall lost his job eventually. I just think that he was so hell-bent on having things his way with it and making sure it was seen through to the end that it kind of it kind of it cost him in the end because he wasn't ready to pull the trigger yeah with chuck fletcher coming in you see that he was ready to pull a trigger on a going a big guy like kevin hayes and you saw how valuable he was in this series because you know he was responsible defensively he put some offense towards the net 
granted he didn't score, but they're going to the next round where having that second center is going to be really helpful. And, and Vigneault is a coach where he says, okay, I don't care what kind of skill set you have. This is the type of hockey we need to play to beat this team. So, which is why he's doing fast paced, you know, a fast paced forecheck, which yep. makes him really effective. If it's not working at some point, he won't be afraid to change it and have some of the things where we need to play this way, like a Laviolette would. So, that that's that's the difference you see with this coach and this here rather than things of the past. But, you know, again, there's that long windedness we had, I talked to Vince Quinn about. Uh, but if, if you get a chance, <laughs> read, read that book because if you're a big Flyers fan, you want to know, get the mindset and learn a lot of the background of it. It's been so enlightening to look and see, okay, now I understand why those moves were made and it makes more sense to me. So, like, because they, they don't, you never know why at first until you go into a deep dive like that. Yeah, I think that's what everyone needs to like. Just learn how to do. We need to do deep dives into everything we really truly care about. Uh, I'm just doing a quick look to see if they've announced any schedule. I don't see anything, so I think that's what we'll wrap. Uh, so we'll right. figure out the time and date of what my guess would be Sunday afternoon or Monday night, depending on how the NHL wants to do this. Um, but again, we know where it's definitely going to be. It's going to be in Toronto, and it's definitely yep. going to be against the Islanders. So that's going to do it for episode 45 of Orange and Backcheck. Hey, we're in the second round, guys. The Flyers have won a series for the first time in eight years. They're the number one seed still. They took care of Montreal, a very tough opponent that I probably took a little lighthearted. Uh, Scott warned me, so I should probably adhere his advice in how tough uh, – we should all adhere his advice on how tough the Islanders are going to be. I still have them in six. I think the depth of the Flyers and I think the, the goaltender matchup favors the Flyers because of how uh, Carter Hart continues to prove us that he is this this guy that we envisioned him to be. Um, yeah, he struggled a bit, but I think that was just nerves of that not just the first playoff series, but locking down the first series, winning that thing. So I had the flyer or the Flyers in six against the Islanders. Scott, you have them a losing in seven, which, yeah, fine. I mean, like I'm not gonna like I, this is a judgment free zone. I'm never gonna be in a scenario where Dude, you're an idiot. You're we'll, we'll get into arguments, but <laughs> well, I am. So don't give me too much credit. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Always follow us on Orange and Backcheck on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Orange and Backcheck. You can also send us an email. What are your thoughts? What are your predictions? Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. If you want to sponsor us and give us equipment where we can make drops and stuff like we talked about last week or two weeks ago when Scott did his little beep, 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 beep. Whatever it was. Uh, that, Can you just let that go already? Absolutely not. Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com, episode 45. Thank you for listening. We play on. Great. All right. Let's do it. In three. Oh, wait. Are, are you, you're not even recording. I can't even record so, Yeah, now. it doesn't matter. Fuck the, yeah. fuck the clap. Yeah. Fuck the clap. We'll do it live. <laughs>